Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Galatians chapter 1, we're going to be verse 6 this morning. Amen. One of the uh, tortures of the Hawkins Stauffen family was that of his cell, which when the prisoner first enters is comfortable and easy. I want you guys to just kind of put that in your minds, walking into a cell with a prisoner. And as and this torture strategy that this family created was that this man, woman will step into this cell, which seems comfortable and easy. But after a few days, the prisoner will absorb the dimensions of his chamber, begin to contract. I'm sure you guys have seen it in movies before where somebody will be in a prison cell or some type of a place where they're locked up in the Walls will begin to close in on them from each and every angle. It creates this type of desperation. How many of you guys ever seen that before? Yeah. So the prisoner were absorbed the dimension of his chamber beginning to contract. And the fact became more appalling every day. Slowly the sides drew closer. And the unhappy victim, which first started off pretty comfortable, at last was crushed to death. I want to say something this morning because there's another trap in our lives that we constantly step into and that is called the world's approval see this world's approval is a very comfortable and easy trap as you're going in there and you step into it it feels good the claps the acceptance the the, uh, just the, uh, the identity, the fame, whatever level of acceptance or approval you step into might seem comfortable and easy, but if you've been in this before, you know what I'm saying, that, that somewhere you begin to see the walls contract. And you begin to see how what you're doing is that you're co- constantly falling into a trap of pleasing people. This is why people pleasers are some of the most miserable people on earth. They start off okay, but later in life, they begin to understand that they can't please people. Or at least they can't please everybody. There's a saying that says, if you live by man's approval, you will die by their rejection. (coughs) And what I want to say this morning is that instead of pleasing people, what we should be doing is we must be seeking God's approval, not man's. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. You can say amen when you're there. Verse 6 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly discerning him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Verse 7, not that there is another, another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to one you receive, let him be accursed. Verse 10, for I am not 
For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I will not be a servant of Christ. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled The People Pleaser Syndrome this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. God, I pray that you will, God, anoint every word that comes out of my mouth, God, this morning, that it will penetrate the coldest, hardest, deepest hearts here this morning. God, we trust you. Father, I come knowing that you can, Father, back me up, Lord, in this message. I pray that you will touch every heart in this place, God. Father, let us not be people pleasers this morning. God, but let us please you and seek your approval for the rest of our lives, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning, Amen. Amen. I want to start off with my first point, and that is you have to hold fast to the true gospel. We are living in a generation that is quickly turning from the true gospel. All you have to do is turn on your TV and put on uh, the Christian channel, TVN, and you begin to see how people are constantly going in their trends, and they're constantly going into the prosperity gospels and all these different um, different um, avenues that you can go through, and they're uh, they're deviating from what is the true gospel and the true words of God. Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through four. Very interesting. Timothy's or Paul tells Timothy, "I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearance and His kingdom, preach the word." He tells them, "Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke." Oh, reprove, re rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Check this out, verse 3. For the time is coming. I want to tell you, the time is here. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. It will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into or wander off into myths. See, in Galatians, Apostle Paul is rebuking the church, the church. He's rebuking the listener. He's telling them, it's amazing to me how quickly you can turn away from the actual words of God. He's bringing some type of rebuke, exhortation. The way you should read the scripture is not in some type of soft, kind of a wussy kind of tone. But the way you should read it is a man of God dealing with his church. In 2 Timothy, Paul has the same exhortation for the preacher. Now there's two perspectives, the one listening and the one preaching, but the same goal, and that is to hold fast to the true words of Christ. If you're preaching or listening, somewhere your goal or your whole life should be holding fast to what God thinks about your situation. Amen. This is why constantly as preachers we tell you to open your Bible. What does God have to say? Have you prayed about it yet? Amen. You have to remain true to the true gospel. See, people are running with the trends of immorality. And see, it's one thing that a sinner continues to sin. But the problem now is that we see the church world chasing after this immorality, chasing after all the different trends. We're um, after the men's discipleship. We're speaking about these, these funny trends that the church have. I was telling the, the man that many churches won't even put a pulpit in their church because it's too authoritative. So they'll use a stand or they'll use a music stand because they don't want to offend people. Can I tell you, preaching the word of God is authoritative. Amen. It brings authority. This is why you raise your voice. This is why you preach the truth. And if you read Jesus, uh, the words of Jesus throughout the Gospels, Jesus preached with authority. Amen. He told the Pharisees one time, he told them, you guys are brood of vipers. That's not nice. 
That's very authoritative. He tells Peter, drop your net and follow me. He didn't even say, please. <laughs> People running with the trends of immorality. New age things, whatever makes you feel better. This is why people love to listen to guys like Joe Osteen or Joyce Meyer or all these different motivational speakers that all they do is they, they just tickle your ears. All they do is they just, uh, they just pump you up. Do why people are being pastored by YouTube. Because you, you have a search bar where you can specifically look up encouraging, encouraging words from a muscle-building pastor right before I go to the gym. <laughs> and you have these, these things in our scripture in 2 Timothy. It says they will go and find themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So we, as a church... Our goal is to not desert the true gospel. To somewhere be able to open our Bibles and use our Bibles as a reference, as a cornerstone. See, when you measure something, there's, there has to be a reference. You have to know where to start and what, where to stop. And in our church, I want to tell you, I'll make a proclamation this morning that we're not deviating from the Bible. Amen. This is what we open to figure out. We don't, we don't Google Amen. Unless we need help. <laughs> but we open our Bibles and we begin to seek what does God have to say about this? What does Jesus have to say about this? We open the, our Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Timothy, books that have sound doctrine, Romans that will bring the, the establishment of how a church should be read. In conclusion, we're not seeking to please people. We're not seeking to please the visitors that come out of our church. Pastor Ruby said that your goal as a church is when somebody comes in is either they're confronted with the gospel or they leave because they're confronted with the gospel. But somewhere you, were, you presented the words of God and the truth. You don't want to deviate from that. But so that we won't do that, we have to understand what is the true gospel. What is it that when the Bible says gospel, what does that mean? See, the true gospel is built on two ideas that I want you guys to understand. One is truth, and the other one is good news. Truth is under attack in our world. We live in a postmodern, um, relevant type of generation that truth is subjective to the listener. I've said this before. I can stand up here and tell you that my suit is yellow. And you're like, no, Pastor, it's blue. But somebody can say, well, it's blue to you, but it's yellow to me. But so far, I mean, you guys know that sounds insane. It sounds ridiculous, but that's what people do with the Word of God. Why is it that what you believe in has to be my belief? Man. That's because our Bible is very sharp and very truthful to where it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father but through and say, no one. No. That means that what we believe in is the true gospel, is the true God, and anybody else that doesn't believe our Bible, now doesn't come to our church. That's wrong. But whoever doesn't believe in the blood of Jesus Christ can't make heaven their home. So what is truth? The Bible teaches that truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Just like measurements, truth need a reference point. Facts. It needs a place where it comes out of a source. This is why when you're, many times, if you remember in school, when you're building papers, when you will 
um, quote a fact, they want you to quote also where you got it from. You need a reference. Truth is the self-expression of God. This means that Jesus dying on the cross was not just a power move. It wasn't just out of emotion or out of uh, or just some type of opinionated thought that I'm going to defeat the devil. It was a needed move. If it wasn't for that, we would be doomed to hell. Amen. It's truth. See, what God establishes is what we need a reference of. And this is what we constantly do in our church. What we believe about marriage, we get it from our Bible. Amen. We look at the book of Genesis chapter 1. It says a man and a woman gets married. Amen. Not in a man and a woman-ish. <laughs> or a woman in a manish. It's a legit man and woman. It's based on organs. Do I need to <laughs> do I need to continue to elaborate on that? <laughs> well, we believe the way a husband should treat his wife is where we get we get it from our Bible, and vice versa. What we what we get from the way we live, purity, sexual purity. That's not just stuff that. Uh, that pastor makes up just to make your life hard. We get it from our Bible. Jesus tells the Pharisees, he tells them, you say that whoever lies with, a, with, a, with another woman is adultery. I say if you look at a woman with lust. Paul says that became the Jew to win the Jew. Amen. And somewhere we, we dress it and we present it in different ways, but we don't deviate from the very truth that it is the gospel. We don't change that. Even if it makes us unlikable. Even if we do get a few bad reviews on Google. Even if we do become that church in town. We don't care. We do what the Bible says. It is our responsibility to make sure that we are seeking God's approval and not man's approval. See, if you're not careful, as a church, we can fall into a trap of trying to seek the approval of our city. We're not called to seek approval of our city. We're, we came to proclaim the gospel. Yes, Apostle Paul, I remember in 1 Corinthians when he's telling them, he says, he says you guys are, are causing, causing division. He says, you're saying I got saved under Paul, so I got saved under Paul. And then he goes, he says, I'm, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you guys. <laughs> so think about that. Somewhere he's saying, listen, there's, there's some type of contention between the people in the church. The people, listen, as a church, we come to preach the word of God. Yes. There's going to be people who are going to like it. There's going to, there's going to be people who won't like it. There's going to be conversions. There's going to be people who are going to hate it. See, are you seeking God's approval? Or are you trying to please people in your life? Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You've got to understand that contrast if you're trying to please people and their beliefs and what they think about you and you can't become a servant of Christ because that's going to contradict at some point. Let's take a test. A quiz. You guys like quiz? No. Pop quiz. <laughs> Are you a people pleaser this morning? Do you say yes when you want to say no? When you want to say no, when you want to say yes. Do you think that you will be abandoned or punished if you do or say the wrong thing, so you stay quiet. When things pop up, you just you're scared of the rejection, so you don't say anything. Do you tolerate behaviors that don't work for you to keep the peace or to get ahead? Oh, I just don't want to offend them. So I let them just live the way they want to live around me. Do you do things you regret later? 
So someone will have a better opinion of you. It's amazing what people will do for fame and acceptance. Mm -hmm. Right? You guys remember when YouTube first came out? Mm -hmm. It's just like videos, just whatever. Now you see a bunch of like crazy people just trying to do stupid <laughs> things to get a few views and just so they can end up on Ellen. Yeah, said Ellen. Move on to my second thought. And that is that there is a strategy from hell to distort the true gospel. See, a five-year-old was asked to put her right hand on her heart. So she put it right behind her back. When she was questioned, the kindergarten replied, Well, my grandma always pats me on the back when she says, Bless your little heart. <laughs> the little girl, confused, was then corrected, and she obviously moved her hand back to where her heart's at. Let me a question. Have you been deceived today? Have you been living in this deception? I understand it was is a very innocent thing, and you might argue with me, Pastor, that's not the perfect illustration, but there's no perfect illustration. Amen? It doesn't matter who it is. I don't care if it's grandma. I don't care if it's mama. Amen. If it does not line up with God's word, it is not true. Amen. It is not the word of God. I don't care who brings it to you. I don't care how much money they have, where they come from, the social status. Be careful how you can be deceived. There will always be teachers that will suit your carnal needs. And if you've ever been in some type of debate, you know what I'm talking about. You can Google things that will support your statement, even if you're wrong. You can go on Google right now and find things that will support all your liberal needs. Support all of your uh, global warming needs. And all of these different things that you want to support. You can, so you can justify how smoking pot is righteous. There will always be teachers that can suit your colonies. One of those teachers is the internet. Some of you guys, you've learned nothing from people, but you learn everything from the internet. It's an issue. If somebody can't teach you something, but the internet will. You can find any type of support, political views, false doctrine, hate speech, racism, all kinds of different things. Be careful with the internet. Some of you guys, your pastor is Google. That's the only thing that can speak into your life. Whenever a leader tries to speak into you, you're like, no, that's not what, the, that's not what I read. Another teacher is Hollywood. They have an agenda from hell that attacks all the foundations and cornerstones of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. See, in Hollywood, you can find diva wives. You can find diva fathers. <laughs> so you, can, you can blame Hollywood. And I can, I can stand up and say you can blame Hollywood for the spirit of violence that we see. It's not a good guy versus bad guy anymore, but it is a bad guy overcoming the good guy. We're cool with that. If you look at all the film history, you can go back and see the movies, and it was constantly, it was always the good guy beating the bad guy to get his girl back. You guys remember those movies, right? Not anymore. Not only do we have the internet or Hollywood, but we also have legit false prophets. People who claim they are preaching the truth, who disguise themselves as the angel of light, and they bring this this um, soothing, very uh, just lovey-dovey type of gospel that makes it seem like this is this is what I want, and then you figure out that there is no change in your life. Man, can I tell you that somewhere John the Baptist says, 
said, and I believe in the book of John, he says that you, we should you should produce fruit worthy of repentance. Amen. That it's not just how you feel. It's not just what makes you feel good. There's not enough podcasts to change your life. You need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, these false prophets are very dangerous because they can be very deceptive. It can seem like somewhere you're doing the right thing when really you're doing the wrong thing. Prosperity preachers that will sell you a rose for five bucks and tell you that if you tie it today, then God will bless you with a million bucks. You have Calvinists. False doctrine that will continue to tell you that somewhere you, you have the hope of God or you don't. Then you have the exact opposite, which is hyper grace, which people tell you you can sin all you want. God loves you. Can I tell you that God, God's love is amazing? Yes. You don't want to take away from God's love. You can't just live the way you want to live. Yeah, it's not the way it works. Doesn't matter how much religion or how much church you do, somewhere your heart should be changed. This is why constantly throughout the Bible we read conversion or we hear conversion in Christianity because there needs to be a change. This word conversion means a change of heart. See how will forever try to twist and distort God's word to your liking. Note that I said to your liking. That's what you want to hear. This was Satan's strategy since the beginning of time. To twist what God said. Is that really what God said? He tells Eve, is that, is that really? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 and 15. He says, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So Satan will twist the scriptures to the point where it is appealing to you. <coughs> where somewhere you begin... See, one of the things that I tell people, you can tell them the Bible is written and inspired by God. Because you can read the Bible and you can be offended. Amen. You read it and be like, that's just not the way I want to live, but that's what God said, amen? amen. See, if you buy the lie, what can happen is that your heart will turn from the true God. You'll find yourself in a place where you're deceived. Have you ever been deceived before? Yeah. No, like real deceived. Like you'll buy something just to figure out that that's not what you wanted. <laughs> or they'll sell it to you, right? Just to figure out that somewhere this is cheap. Like this is... Okay. How many of you guys have downloaded the Wish app? <laughs> you ever been deceived by that thing? <laughs> First you order it because it's, it's 86% off, right? It's a negative 86% off. So you order it. And somewhere you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Six months later, you get it, right? <laughs> you receive it just to figure out it's, 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 it's not symmetrical. You know, whatever the case. My wife orders something and she was like completely disappointed with it. Deception will always leave you disappointed. Somewhere you'll find yourself in a place where you're like, this is not what I wanted. You'll find yourself wasting years and years of your life and all these doctrines and all these religious ceremonies and all these things just to come to find out that that is not what I needed. Or this morning, if you wasted some time. This is what happens to people pleasers. Is that somewhere they'll continually in their life begin to try to make people feel good or not, not offend them. We live in a politically correct generation. That somewhere you'll hold back your values and your beliefs so you won't offend somebody else. You'll begin to alter your actions. You'll begin to alter what you do in life or what you should be doing or what the Bible says 
simply so that you can make people feel good. Again, if you live by the world's acceptance, approval, you will die by their rejection. See, we serve a God that, that loved you even when you were a sinner. That's not seeking you to do something so that they can approve you. Because that's what people do. That's the world does. You have to compromise in something so that you can get what, they, what they're giving you, right? For addicts, you have to compromise your sanity. You have to compromise your power, your authority, dominion that God gives you. Think about this. God gives dominion to men, right? He tells, he tells Adam, he says, go and name every animal, right? That's dominion, that's authority. This, this animal here, this, this walking dog, whatever you call it, that's what we're going to call it. That's dominion. But an addict... Can't even have dominion over his mind. Can't even think the way he wants to think. So you think that somewhere you receive these drugs, you receive this alcohol, you receive this pornography, thinking that somewhere this is going to make you feel good, but you don't understand that you exchange your dominion and your authority, your sanity. Many times you exchange your marriage, your children. Your relationship with God. And later on you find yourself in this cell with these walls crushing you and bringing you to a place of complete death. Don't you ever think that the Bible was just insinuating or bringing some type of metaphor when it says the wages of sin is death. That's true. It's absolute truth. It'll completely kill you. It won't destroy you maybe at this moment. But somewhere in life you'll be judged. Always told the church you can't play footsies with Satan. You can't mingle around with him and flirt with him and not get anything back. I want to move on to my third point. I want to close with this. And that is what we need to do as Christians is that somewhere we must seek the master's approval. A slave seeks his master's approval. The AKC notes that Labrador retrievers say, or the AKC notes say, the Labrador Retrievers are not only friendly, but they're also very smart. If you know in the lab, you will understand what I'm talking about. These intelligent dogs want to please their owners, and that is what, um, that is what, that's the source of their intelligence. It's not so much that, that they have the biggest brain. It's not so much that they're self-taught, but their desire to please their owner is what makes them intelligent. They're highly trainable. That's what any other dog training is still work. But labs are up for the challenge. Labs are loyal to their owner and they and will take their cues from their owner. They'll go on a run around the neighborhood with their owner. They will cuddle with their owner. They will do anything as long as it pleases them. So why many people say labs. Actually, labs aren't the smartest dog. Many, you can argue that many people say the, um, the border collie is the smartest dog. But see, what makes a lab so trainable and so lovable is that he's willing to do whatever you want him to do. As somewhere, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to him to bring a pleasure from, that, that his, his owner receives pleasure. Can I tell you, that needs to be our attitude as Christians. Let's be honest with ourselves. We're not the smartest people in the world. Turn to never tell him, you're not the smartest. <laughs> and I turn to him again, tell him, but God loves you. 
<laughs> to God. God. God accepts you. Amen. Let me say that one more time. God accepts you. Amen. And you don't have to do anything for him to, to accept them. All you have to do is surrender yourself to say, God, I want to please you. Let's scripture, check this out. In our scripture, Galatians chapter 1. We're reading it, right? Let's start off from verse 10. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10 says, For I am now seeking, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So in other words, he said, if I please man, I compromise my identity in God. If I'm trying to please man, then I can't be a servant of Christ because I'm constantly bowing down to the uh, to all the trends and influences of this world. Yeah. Although God accepts you, we should still seek to please Him. I hate when people say God loves me just how I am. Amen. Because <laughs> God loves you, but not just how you are. Because somewhere you were born in sin out of the curse of Adam and Eve. And the idea is that the, God, the idea of the gospel is that who you are today is not who you can be tomorrow. It's that somewhere that brings change and your mind is set free and your heart is set free. When you say, well, Pastor, in the Bible there's tons of regulations. You don't understand. Is that when you're set free from the dominion of sin, under the law of sin, you're completely free so that you can love the man who loves you. Then all the regulations, all the things that you call rules and commandments become just things that you'll do for your God. Jesus is not just this man on a cross, but now he's your lover. Now he's the man that, you, that you're willing to seek his approval for. Now it's not just religion, but it is a relationship. So where you begin to do things, not that, not out of blessing, but man, I just do this because I know it means the world to my God. <coughs> the Apostle Paul says, you guys turn so quick from this true gospel. This word true gospel, um, commentators say that what he's really talking about is free grace. Is that you guys are turning away from free grace so that you can go get something that's costly. God gave it to you for free, but you're looking for it in the world that's making you pay for it. See, the basic fact behind this letter is that Paul's gospel was the gospel of free grace. He believed with all his heart that nothing anyone could do ever could ever earn the love of God. And that therefore all that people could do was fling themselves on God's mercy in an act of faith. That's salvation. Altar calls that we have, what you're doing is you're flinging yourself to the mercy of God. Amen. Say, God, there's nothing that I can do. There's just nothing that I can do. This world doesn't give me anything. There's nothing that I can do by myself. So the only thing that I can do is lay my life down to your feet and accept your free grace. Pastor Campbell said something um, when we went to Sunday morning service over there. He said, it's hard to be unfaithful when you are grateful. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about marriage. He was saying that somebody that's grateful for their wife or somebody that's grateful for their husband, it's hard to be unfaithful to them because they're grateful. Oh, I think that's true in your relationship with God. Yes. That it's hard to be unfaithful to God when you're so grateful for the things he's done. If you take a few seconds to think what God has done in your life, you'll begin to say, how can I throw that all away? Amen. After all that he's done for me, how can I just turn my back on him and go 
and follow, follow false prophets and seek the approval of man, which is made out of dirt and sin. When the God in heaven has approved me, he has chosen me, that somewhere he loved me when I was a sinner. See, this is the danger, that we can lose our gratefulness towards God in longevity. I preached a sermon a while back about Cain and Abel, and the Bible says that when Cain brought the sacrifice, it was in the process of time. That process of time, many times, you got in the beginning, Revelations, when, when, uh, when they're speaking to the seven churches, one of the complaints, I believe it was to um, the church of Philadelphia, uh, I think as I said, I forget, um, but he says that you have um, gone away from your first love. In the beginning, you have, maybe you guys remember the first love when you first got saved. You're witnessing to anything. Yes. Anything that moves. And some of you, it, it's just this, this, this spark of love, and you're like, man, I'm just glad that God has done something. But if you'll be honest, in the process of time, you go through a few trials and tribulations. Ministry is given to you, begin to deal with people. You can fall on this very thing where you forget to be grateful for what God has done. You lose gratefulness and unfaithfulness is just around the corner. Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, think about this, they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They knew him. They did not honor him or give thanks to him. Because God loved us so much. Loved us even when we were sinners. It leaves us no choice but to bow at his mercy. And say, God, here's my life. This is why in the book of Romans, the theme for the, um, I believe it's chapter 5 and on, and on um, forward, when it speaks about the law of sin and the law of grace, there is this terminology of slavery. That I can become a slave of Christ, as opposed to Paul. This idea of slave isn't what you think, or as an American thinks, which is where black people were, were slaves. That's not that's not the idea. Actually, in the slavery of America, there were some slaves that were taught that were um, treated very well. And the idea is that somewhere you submit your rights, your life, and you'll come under submission under the house of God. You become a child of God. It's, it's, it's almost the idea of a child going under the roof of their parents and accepting things that they say. Amen? The rules that they apply, the, the things that they say are going to go is what you do. And you do it simply because you love them. Yeah. And somewhere they've done so many things for you. That's the idea. Is that you come to Christ and say, Christ, you're just so good to me. I have no other choice but to surrender to you. Then songs that to the ends of the earth become real to you. Because you're willing to go wherever because somewhere you're done pleasing man. Amen. I want to please my God. Yes, yes. Amen. Can I tell you, you live a less stressful life when, you're, when you stop pleasing man. When you start standing up for what the Bible says and what God says, you don't need the acceptance of this world. You don't need it. You don't need the, accept, the acceptance of your friends. And in some cases, you know, you don't need the acceptance of your family. All you need to know is that God loves you. And he has accepted you. Take me back to when Jesus um, is in the midst teaching the disciples and mother, his mother shows up. And they're, they're talking to him. They say, hey, Jesus, your mom is here. And he says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But these people around me, they're on 
mother and brother. By the time where he says, if you want to follow me, then you have to hate your father and your mother. Remember that language? Somewhere he says, so I'm willing to please my father. What about that time when they came to Jesus and Jesus says, I'm about my father's, I'm about my father's what? Business. He says, somewhere I'm about it. This is, this is what I do. I don't care what you guys say. I care what God says. Listen, I'm not saying go out there and begin to start burning all kinds of bridges. But somewhere you're going to have to make a quick distinction or a very sharp distinction to say, I'm not in this world to please people. In this world to please my God. I want to do the things that please my God. People pleasing, it's a trap. I understand that it's a lot easier not to confront people. That's what the internet has created. Somewhere you're willing to send an email, but you're not willing to talk to somebody, right? So if you're not careful, you fall into this trap. Where the best thing that you can do for yourself is make somebody else feel better. See, somewhere you have to know that God has accepted you. And that my whole purpose in life is that I can please my God. I can please him with my life, with my actions. All of this morning, if you're a people pleaser. All of this morning, if all the things that you've done all of your life was simply to avoid confrontation, to avoid all um, hatred, to avoid rejection. I want to tell you this morning, listen, Jesus, he's accepted you. And you can't be a people pleaser and a God pleaser. You have to decide. It'll contradict at some point. I understand you can please God's people, right? <laughs> you can be in the house of God and please people while doing the kingdom business. I understand that. But there's going to be people in your life, bosses, co-workers, family members who don't agree with the gospel, don't agree with the vision. And somewhere, you know, I had once, I quit this. I, um, I had just quit my job when I was working for Terminex. And, um, and the excuse that I used was that you guys aren't giving me the Saturdays that you guys promised me to. And I, and I was pioneering in Galveston. If I can't outreach, I can't pioneer, right? <laughs> so I was telling them, I need my Saturdays. I need them to outreach so they wouldn't do it. So when I quit with my supervisor, my boss brought me in. Um, and he was a pastor. And he began to use all kinds of scriptures to mm-hmm. me and saying, well, Apostle Paul was a tent maker and Peter was a, a fisherman and all these all these kinds of things, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, my goodness, you're taking things out of context, like like it's nobody's business. So then he said this. He said, he said, like me. He said, I am a supervisor and a pastor on the side. So I said, so you know what? That's a problem. Yes. He said, I'm a pastor and a bucket there on the side. Bugs <laughs> <laughs> on the side. That's not what I want to do for my life. I want a pastor. I want to please my God. That's what I do first. I'm a Christian before I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm a copier installer or whatever title you want to give me. So this is what I want to do. I want to please my God. And that's what I live for. Yes. I left that place with no job. Amen. <laughs> that's what I do. God can do those things for you somewhere. God will begin to, and he opened doors. I got a better job after that. And, and all these different things that, now you know that somewhere, if you if you please God, if your heart will be God, I just want to do what you say, and God will begin to open doors for you. Can I get over here, God? Can I get close?
You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.